Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, Believers Church, this is Super Bowl weekend and we are excited about it. As a matter of fact, I was so excited about it, I came up here to Canton to the Football Hall of Fame. I wanted to do my first segment up here. And before we go any further, I wanna welcome all of our guests. I wanna welcome everyone at TCI Correctional Facility, our Borman campus, its guests, and our Warren campus, the guests that are in Warren. And I am excited to be here. I'm in this really cool place. It's called the Hall of Fame Gallery. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. Um, the NFL turns 100 this year and football began here in Canton, so that's why the Hall of Fame is here. And over those 100 years, 25,000 football players and coaches have been involved in the NFL. And out of that 25,000, only 326 have made it to the Hall of Fame. And here's their bust. I'm standing in the midst of these great, great men who played the game. And think about it, 326, that's only 1.3% that made it here. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking, man, I wish I could interview them. I wish I could sit down and I wish I could ask them, hey, what did you do to make it in to the Hall of Fame? because they're all genetic freaks. So we, they all have that in common, but what did you do? And I think if I could ask them, they'd say things like this. Well, first of all, I wasn't a perfect human being. You know what? I think if we interviewed every pastor on the planet, that's one of the first things we say, we're not a perfect human being. But then I think they'd say things like this. You know what? I gave it 100%. I spent more time in the weight room than other guys. I spent more time watching film than other guys. I spent more time running my routes than anybody else, whatever position they were in. And I think we'd hear them say, I lived to make it here and I gave it my all so I could make it to this place. And you know, today's all about us pulling spiritual truths out of football, out of commercials. And I'm looking here and I'm thinking about some spiritual truths that we're seeing here. And I'm thinking about you and I, and I wanna ask all of us a question. And here's the question I wanna ask. How would you live if you knew your life would be on display for all of eternity? How would you live your life? Because I think we would all live it different. And I think of the very famous Roman general, Maximus Decimus Meridius, he said this, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And as Christians, it's really important for us to understand there is in heaven a hall of faith and we see a portion of it written in our Bibles and all of us wanna live our life so that we are in that hall of faith and we're living our life like it's going to be on display for all of eternity. You know, we have a saying here on the earth, it's YOLO, uh, you know, and I, I love this saying, it means you only live once. And I like that. For Christians, I think when we look at it, uh, I think we understand that it's referring to the fact that we only live once, let's live 100% for God. But in the world, they kind of look at it this way, you only live once, so party hardy, have as much fun as you can. And so I'd like to change YOLO to YOLT, which means you only live twice, because I really believe we should live our life like it will be on display for all of eternity. 
And I want to read a portion of scripture to you. It's pretty cool. It's out of what's called the Hall of Faith. And all of us are going to be part of this. And listen to Hebrews 11:32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. And we're just reading a small portion, but as I read this, I just began to think a little bit about it. You know, Gideon was a wimpy, sissy guy. He was afraid of his own shadow, but then he, he just pulled, he pulled a word from God and put faith in that word, and he turned into a warrior. And, and then I think of Samson, he was a womanizer, but he pulled a word from God and he became a great man of God. And I think of David, David murdered a man because he got that man's wife pregnant. But you know what, he repented and he believed God and he did amazing things for God. And then I think of Samuel the prophet. You know Samuel did a terrible job raising his boys. His two boys were so bad that after Samuel died, he put them in his place that Israel rejected his sons. And I think about their imperfections, but then I think about the fact that they trusted God, they put faith in God, and they did amazing things. Listen to some of what they did, Hebrews 11:33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. These are some really big things, but you know what God expects from you and I? What he wants us to do by faith? Just read the scriptures, believe them, and by faith begin to live them. And you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna find ourselves in this beautiful place called the Hall of Faith, and we're going to have our lives live for all of eternity. And I wanna show you the very next verse. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, and it's concluding what we just read out of Hebrews 11. And listen to what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, everybody in chapter 11, we just read a few names, they're called a great cloud of witnesses. I heard one preacher say that they're looking over the banister of heaven. And my mom and dad, they, uh, it's been about three years since they went to heaven. And it's cool to think, you know, they're up there in the hall of faith and they lived their life. They gave it all they had. They weren't preachers, but they lived and gave it all they had. And they're watching me. They're watching my siblings. They're watching us. And your loved ones are watching you. And it's so cool to think we can live our lives as if we're going to be on display for all of eternity because we will. Listen to this. It goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The things that hinders are the things of this world that we put too much time in. The sin that hinders is that one or two sins that we struggle with the most. And he says, cast them off. Why? Guys, listen, listen. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God's given us all something to do for his kingdom. And he's saying, throw off anything that will hinder and live your life like it's gonna be on display for all of eternity. Again, I'm so excited about this day. Listen, I wanna tell you what's gonna happen next. In both campuses, uh, you're going to see a commercial. Then we have these incredible speakers coming up and a speaker will come up for each commercial and they are going to pull a spiritual truth out of that commercial. And so after you see the commercial, let the speaker at your campus know you are excited that they're there and that they're going to feed you spiritually. Guys, I'm looking forward to the rest of this day. I'm a close talker, so I was excited about all new Colgate Total. Its breakthrough formula does more 
Wonderful. Sensitivity strengthens teeth. It kills germs through my whole mouth. I like your confidence. Thanks, Mr. Lee. Now there's no such thing as too close. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Okay. All new Colgate Total. Do more for your whole mouth. Well, good morning, Believers Church. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. My name is Michelle Denunzio, and I am the worship director here at our Warren campus. I've been coming to Believers Church for a while now. In fact, since I was in the womb, I have been attending Believers Church. My parents are pastors Joe and Gina, and I get to serve on staff here with my husband, Steve. You'll find him behind a camera. Every weekend somewhere in this building, he does our video stuff. And man, I'm so excited to get to speak with you for a few moments this morning. If you're like me, maybe you thought that this close talker in the commercial was a little bit hard to handle. Like I was watching this guy and I was getting really protective of my personal space just watching that video. So I'm excited to share a couple biblical truths that we can take away from what we just saw here. And I think it's part of our human nature, just the way that we're wired that makes us want to put just the right amount of distance between us and other people. Like we can get close, right? But just to a certain extent, like you cannot be holding conversations with people a half inch away from their face. We just know not to do that. It's like there's this invisible line. We know not to cross it. And it just goes without saying in our Western culture, we appreciate at least a little bit of personal space. Does anyone agree with me? You appreciate your personal space? Wow, yeah. So I think it just goes without saying. There's a such thing as too close when it comes to people, but what I wanna stress this morning is that there is no such thing as too close when it comes to God. And maybe you're like me, maybe you've had some moments in your life where you've let certain things prevent you from getting as close to God as you really could have. Or maybe you find yourself in that position this morning. So I think a great question to ask is, what is it that gets in between us and God? What gets in between us and God? I think that one thing that can get in the way is often fear. I'm sure that many of you in this room have experienced fear at different points in your life. I can say I certainly have. In fact, when I was growing up, I would experience fear every now and then. I had an incredible childhood, but I happened to be pretty shy when I was younger. So if I was around people that I wasn't really familiar with, it would take me a while to warm up to them. And I think the ultimate form of irony is that I grew up in a pastor's home. If you know anything about pastor's kids, it's that they're surrounded by people a whole lot of the time. And at the end of the day, that ended up being the best thing for me to help me grow out of that shyness, but it took a while. And I think what was really going on was I was dealing with a fear that if people got too close, if they saw the real me, they might not accept me. So the older I got, the less and less I would deal with this issue. But when I was 19, I met my now husband, Steve, and I'm 29 now. This was a while back at this point. When I was 19, he began the journey of pursuing me, but it took him three years, and for three years, I consistently rejected him. And that sounds pretty bad. I'm so thankful he persevered. You know, it all worked out in the end. We're married, things are great. But I think what was going on there was I was dealing with that little bit of fear that if he got too close, if he saw me for who I really was, he might not accept me. And I think that 
sometimes we can instinctually just do this. It's part of who we are. There's a really interesting study done by Caltech University. They say the same parts of our brain that register fear, the amygdala, is triggered when we get too close in proximity to other people. And so I think a great question to ask is what gets in between us and God? Because we can do that with God sometimes. Or what causes us to fear getting close to God? I think the first thing is that we're afraid God will see our mess. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where for one reason or another, you were really close in proximity to someone else? Maybe you happened to be working near them and you really were afraid that they were gonna be able to smell what you ate for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. We've all been there, right? Like I'm Italian, I've eaten my fair share of garlic in my life. You don't want people to smell your bad breath, to see those messy parts of who you are. But I think that sometimes we can metaphorically do this with God. We're afraid he's gonna smell our bad breath. We're afraid that when he sees our mess, he'll be angry or disappointed. I think another thing that can cause us to fear getting close to God is we fear we might not be good enough to be close to God. I can certainly relate to this idea. Like I said, I grew up in a pastor's home and I'm so thankful to be surrounded by the family members I have. But one thing that I found myself doing, a mistake I would make in my past is I'd look at different members of my family and I would compare myself to them. How many of you know that's not a really healthy thing to do? So my parents, they're these incredible pastors. They've got years of experience, of course, but I would look at them, I'd look at their relationship with God and I would say to myself, I could never be as close to God as they are. Why even bother? God didn't intend that for me when it looks like it does the way with them. Why bother working in the church even though I feel called to do that? Why bother forming my own identity in Jesus? And I think sometimes there's some of you in this room who have done that. You might've looked at other people, thought to yourself, well, they are close enough to be good to God or be close to God, but me, no way. Like God would not be able to handle my mess. He would never look at me as good enough to be close to him. And what I love about God is that idea could not be further from the truth. In fact, God feels so strongly about this idea that he talks about it all throughout the Bible. Jesus even tells a story in the book of Luke just to convey this message. You might be familiar with the parable of the lost son. We're gonna read it together. In Luke 15, verse 11, it says that Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Verse 13 says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. That's so gross, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So verse 20 says, he got up, he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Verse 22 says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I think this story is so incredible because just like this father with his son, God does not care what went on in your past. He does not care about the mess you got yourself into, about the pigsty you found yourself in. The second he sees you take those steps closer to approach you, he will run to meet you. And what I love so much about God is that our relationship with him isn't supposed to look like anyone else's relationship with him. My relationship with God isn't supposed to look like my parents' relationship with God. Yours is not supposed to look like those people you've compared yourself to because God's designed you to be completely and uniquely different from everyone else. And if there's one thing you could walk away remembering this morning, it's that God is a close talker. God's a close talker. In fact, the Bible talks about how God speaks in a still, small voice. So all we need to do is get close enough to God to hear him whisper. And the question is, how do we get close to God? And I love that the answer to this question is so simple. It's just a matter of meeting with God daily. God didn't design this to be anything difficult. It's a matter of reading that passage of scripture that you can each day, asking God to help you know you understand his word. He'll do that for you. It's a matter of turning on one of those worship songs you love in your playlist, but spending time in worship with God. You don't have to have this incredible voice to do that. God doesn't care how you sound. It's a matter of having those simple and honest conversations with God through prayer, just like you would do to get to know a friend, having those transparent conversations. It's so simple. And what I love is that when we do that, just like this father and son in this story, the second we take those steps closer to God, he runs to meet us. The Bible actually says in James 4, 8, that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So I wanna close with a quote by a pastor named Rick Warren. He says that we are as close to God as we choose to be. I love that. God wanted it to be simple. It's our choice if we wanna be close to him. He is not standing in the way of making that happen. And the good news is that the closer we get to him, the more we become like God, the more we're transformed into his image, the more we do what God has called us to do. I wanna thank you guys for letting me speak with you for a few minutes this morning. You're gonna really enjoy our next speaker. His name is Logan Reiner. We're gonna give it up for him in just a moment. Before we do that, let's take a look at this next Super Bowl commercial. Can we turn the AC up? I'm dying back here. It's on. Can't you feel it? Can you feel that? Oh. <laughs> Jeff, eat a Snickers, please. Why? Every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. Just eat it so Ooh. we can all coexist. Turn into a diva. Mm -hmm. Then your system, cranky pants. Okay. Thank you. Better? Better. Will you get your knees out of the back of my seat? Oh. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Well, what's up, guys? Welcome again to our Super Bowl weekend. I'm wearing a Browns jersey. Any Browns fans in the house? Yeah. Last season did not go as expected. That's all right, because we're Browns fans, and we know, help me out, there's always next. There's always next year. Man. Steelers fans, I didn't forget about you guys. If you're a Steelers fan in the house, we don't have time. We only got 10 minutes. Only got 10 minutes. I love this commercial, here's why. 
Uh, I, I get cranky primarily like for two reasons. Number one, I'm not what we like to call a good driver, okay? Like if you want to have or watch a fight happen between me and my wife, you let us loose in the streets of Pittsburgh and just drive aimlessly, we are destined to get lost. It is impossible to drive in Pittsburgh. Like if you have an exit, you miss it, good luck. Next 45 minutes, you are on a detour to get right back to where you started. I'm not a good driver. I get cranky when I drive. Second reason, I don't do so well when I'm hungry. If I'm past the point of hungry, I become angry. I become hangry. So this commercial is me, but this commercial is actually all of us because it might not be hunger, it might not be driving, maybe for you, it might be anger, it might be sadness, it might be stress, it might be exhaustion, because here's what we can do. If we're not careful, we can allow momentary feelings to ruin what really matters in our life. We just celebrated uh, the new year, and so for many of us, we make New Year's resolutions. Ladies, uh, guys, we all do it. We, we get on, we look in the mirror, we look up at the mirror and we go, you disgust me. <laughs> you used to be so thin, you used to be fit, now look at you. So what do we do? Ladies, you get on Amazon, you look up Lululemon, you buy those $250 leggings because you think that they're gonna help you do squats. Guys, what do we do? We go to Vitamin World and we're just getting protein, lots of protein. We have no idea what protein does, but we know we need it. Day number one, we're at the gym. We're there. We're feeling good. We are motivated. We're in the gym. We are working out. We notice that there's a mirror. To Whoa, I still got it. All right. Day two, we got some momentum. You're still feeling good. You're back at the gym. What happens? Day three, you wake up and you feel like you're 100 years old. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Then we start to make excuses. We go, oh my goodness, I don't feel like going to the gym today. We start to rationalize and we go, well, today's Monday. Who goes to the gym on Monday? I don't wanna to go to the gym again. I don't wanna to get too big. I don't wanna to get too strong. A week ago, you were telling yourself, you disgust me. Now today, you're looking in the mirror and you are rationalizing with scripture and you're quoting scripture saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. This is fine with me. What happens? Feelings, momentary feelings get in the way of what truly matters in our life. And so when those feelings get in the way of us, we just quit, we give up, we settle, we back out. Man, when I was in high school, I, was, I played a little bit of football. Obviously, you can probably tell because I'm wearing a football jersey. But you're probably thinking to yourself, I bet he was a wide receiver. He's kind of tall, lanky, got some big old hands. Like, he was probably a wide receiver. Wasn't a wide receiver. All right, probably a running back. Pop, pop, pop. That's what a running back sound makes. Nope, not a running back. Maybe he was the quarterback, not the quarterback. Uh, defense. He hit people, caused fumbles, interceptions, got to the quarterback. He was a defensive player. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, I was the greatest position. I was the kicker. <laughs> and before you get too excited, I didn't even do field goals. I was just the guy that did kickoffs. That's all I did. Now, our team wasn't the best team. We didn't score a lot of touchdowns. So oftentimes, I would start out by kicking in the beginning of the game. And for the next four quarters, I just sat there and hung out. 
Like, I didn't do a thing. The last football, gaze, uh, last football game of my high school football career, actually, I didn't go and play college, so my only career as a football player, it was freezing cold, the coldest day of the year. It rained all morning and snowed the entire game. I look down on my feet, and I'm standing in like six inches of ice water. I'm freezing. Now, granted, I'm the kicker. I can't feel my feet. For whatever reason, our team decides to go off the handle and score like a touchdown every three minutes. Never have they done that before. So every three minutes, my coach is like, get out there, let's kick, let's kick. I get out there, I can't feel my feet. I wind up, I kick it as hard as I can. It's numb. I, it feels like I'm kicking with somebody else's foot. I look at the ball, it's caught in the wind, it's coming back at me. It only went like 10 yards. For the next three kicks, that's all I did. I'm feeling miserable. I'm cold. My feet both hurt and I can't feel them. It's a mystery. I feel embarrassed. I feel like I'm letting down my team. My coach is yelling at me. All those feelings add up, and he's yelling at me, and as I'm coming off the field, I look at him, and I say, I don't know. I would, I would have the backup. I would have the other guy do the kicking because I'm, I'm probably not your guy today. I allowed it to interrupt what I wanted to do because of how I felt in the moment. If I would have just had the mentality of just saying, you know what, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. Just, just keep at it. Keep at it. I think I'd be okay. It's not so much that I never will kick again that bothers me. What bothers me is that for the rest of eternity, when a conversation gets brought up about me and football, my brother comes out of nowhere. He's like, let me tell you a story about how my brother will never kick again because he was too cold. That's what bothers me. In the Bible, there's these two brothers, uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the mama's boy. Jacob was better looking. Jacob was the chef. Ja Jacob was smarter. Then there was Esau. Esau was bigger. Esau was the hunter. Esau was a man's man. Esau was hairy. Like the Bible goes out of its way to tell you how hairy Esau was. Like this guy probably looked like Chewbacca. And so Esau's out hunting and Jacob's cooking, and this is where the story takes off in Genesis 25, verse 29. It says, one day Joseph was cooking a stew, and Esau came in from the field starved. Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew, I'm starved. And Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew for your rights as the firstborn. Here's what we have to understand, that as the firstborn, even though these two brothers were twins, Esau was technically the firstborn. As the firstborn, Esau it could inherit everything that the father had. The land would have been his. The flocks would have been his. The crops would have been his. Everything that the father had, Esau would have inherited. All he had to do is not give up his birthright. He says, I'm starving. What good is my birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first swear to me, and he did it. On the oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils, and he ate and he drank and he got up and he left. And that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. I love that it says shrugged. Because in the moment when we feel the way we feel, we can oftentimes rationalize saying that the way we feel is okay if we have negative reactions. How many times have we said something to somebody that we probably shouldn't have said just because we felt the way we felt in the moment? 
He just kind of shrugged it off. I, I wish that oftentimes we wouldn't wait until the weekend for good preaching. I wish that we would get up in the, in the morning and start to preach to ourselves in the mirror and say, no, 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 don't quit, you got it. Don't give up, you got it. Don't settle, you got it. I wish for Esau, before he made the decision to give up his birthright, I wish that he was able to say this to himself, don't give up your feast for a snack. Esau, you can have everything. You can inherit everything, but don't give up too soon. I wish that the Cleveland Browns could preach to themselves and say, don't give up your season for hitting somebody else in the head with your helmet. <laughs> don't give it up. I wish that there was good preaching that every single one of us could do to ourselves and say, don't give up your tomorrow with how you feel today. Life's tough, life's difficult. You're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're angry. You're not you when you're exhausted. Those feelings, they'll fade. But if you can allow yourself to hold on and to stay true to what you know is right, what God has for you and that God has the best for you, God can do miracles in your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Don't allow momentary feelings to ruin what matters most in your life. We got one more commercial and we're ending with Ms. Kara Stewart. So go ahead and check out this commercial. Welcome home. Come on. I've got something for you. What are you waiting for? funny. <laughs> Very unexpected. I love that tagline though. A thrilling future awaits you on earth. Because I think it's so easy, at least I do it. I think it's so easy for you and I to qualify that statement because one day I want to be in heaven with my father who loves me, the peace, the joy. I can't even begin to comprehend what that will be like. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be reunited with loved ones that I miss dearly, that I lost here on this earth. And then one day, Jesus is going to return, and he's going to create a new earth and a new heaven, and you and I are going to rule and reign with him for forever. Yeah, a thrilling future awaits me. Yeah, it does. But this statement says, a thrilling future awaits you on earth. So Audi is saying, you don't have to wait for heaven. You don't have to wait for all of that. You don't have to wait to be reunited with grandpa. You can have a thrilling future right now if you just buy their car. So I gotta do. <laughs> I've never had an Audi, so I don't know if it is that thrilling, but I do know that the Bible is very clear that we are to have a thrilling future 
on this earth. Everything with heaven, all of that is incredible, but we're not supposed to wait for that, but we're to have a thrilling future right now. And I believe the Bible tells us that the biggest thrill you will ever experience on this earth is when you discover what your purpose is, when you know what your purpose is, and you fulfill that purpose. That word purpose, I think, unfortunately, we so many times tie that to what we do. Maybe we tie it to our job or our career. We look around in our life and say, how am I impacting the world around me? And that's my purpose. And so what I wanna do this morning is maybe just offer you a little fresh biblical perspective that you can look at your purpose maybe just a little bit different. And the scripture I have for you is John 17 verse three. But before we get to that, let me set it up for you, okay? It's really cool because we get this opportunity, this very unique opportunity, you and I, to kind of peek in on Jesus who's on this earth and he's talking to his father in heaven. And they're having this conversation. Jesus is being very real, very transparent. There's an intimacy that him and his father have that is clear in this moment. And you and I get to peek in on this. And the Bible says Jesus is looking up and he's saying, Father, I know, I know why I'm here. I know why you put me on this earth. I know what's happening here. I know what our plan is. I know what's going on. I know I have the authority and the power that you gave me. It's for this, for this reason. And he makes this statement. It's so that I can give eternal life to everyone on this earth. And he uses that phrase. And what I do, what I think, I translate that phrase eternal life. I think what he's referring to is living forever in heaven with Jesus. Seems like a good definition of eternal life but I'm wrong, because <laughs> verse three, he explains to us exactly what he means by eternal life. And bear with me, because I think this is revolutionary for us, and once we get a hold of this in our life, it changes everything. So read with me, John 17, verse three says this. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This scripture right here is actually one of the most powerful life-changing scriptures in the Bible. But to be honest with you, it is so easy to read this and just keep going and kind of pass it. Maybe that's nice. <laughs> I get to know Jesus. I get to know God. That's awesome. Maybe a little hallelujah. Until you remember what this word, K-N-O-W, what this word know means. It was originally written in the Greek and our translators used the word know to try and do their best to say what Jesus was saying. But this Greek word that is used for know means this. Are you ready? It means an experience, an intimate experience. It means a relational experience experience. So this word no, I don't think that when I think of no, but this word no means an intimate relational experience. And it's a present tense verb. This word is a present tense verb. So that means it's happening right now, not in the future. Although living in heaven with Jesus forever is going to be amazing. That's not what Jesus is talking about. It's a present tense verb happening, taking place right now on Super Bowl Sunday. Tomorrow, when you go back to work and you eat your cashews, whatever you do tomorrow, your normal routine, it's a present tense verb. And church, this 
is why Jesus did everything he did. This is why Jesus came to the cross. This is why Jesus lived his life on this earth. This is why the Father God sent his baby son for you. This is why eternal life is not just a mental ascent, not just so you can have a mental ascent of God, not so you could just say, I know God, I know about God. You could quote scripture. Eternal life is not living forever in heaven with Jesus. I think this is why he came, but that's not what he's saying here. How about this scripture? Most of you are familiar with this. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that when you believe on him, you would not perish, but have, there it is again. There's that, it's the same phrase, it's the same word, but have eternal life. We know what this means. And so often we can stop at the word perish and say the reason the father gave his son, the reason we have the cross is so that I could miss hell and I could go to heaven forever with him. We stop right there at perish for some reason, but it says so you could have eternal life. It's about the now. It's about you fulfilling your purpose, which is intimacy and connection with him on a regular basis. There's a guy who lived on this earth just like you and I. I think we can really relate to him. His name is Peter. And I want to show you just, he got this, he understood it, and he has some action in his life that really helps me understand when you get this, when you get what eternal life is, it kind of changes everything. And so you know how we said it was really cool that we got to peek in on Jesus on this earth, talking to his father in heaven. Someone else was there as well. Someone else was there listening, watching, seeing how Jesus interacted with his father, this intimacy that, let your imaginations go there. I can't, I I don't have words to describe for you what that must have been like, but Peter saw it. And then just a few chapters later, the Bible says, Peter's on the water, he's fishing. It's what he does, he's a fisherman, and he fishes all night long and he catches nothing. He comes up with nothing. And Jesus is up on the shore and Jesus says, hey, why don't you just try casting your net on the other side? And Peter does. <laughs> and the Bible says he catches his nets, which were empty all night long. His nets are full. He catches the catch of all catches. The Bible is very specific. 153 large fish swarm his net. Now, that doesn't really mean anything to me because I'm not a fisherman. I mean, that's cool, but I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so let me give you an analogy that I think will help put us in the moment a little bit better. I want you to imagine that you're a salesman and you work your butt off Monday through Friday trying to make these sales. You're traveling, you're doing everything you can and it's just not happening. I'm not getting these sales. It's frustrating. Monday morning comes around, you have a little idea, a little prompting from the Holy Spirit. I'll do that, you do that and one sale comes in as a result, one sale that brings in a commission for you of $153 million. I know, right, Hallelujah. We could shout right now and <laughs> end service. What would that do, what would that be like? That's what Peter, that's the moment that he's in, all that is happening. What I would do, I would surely give God all the glory. He's the one who brought it. 
but I would, my mind would be racing. This is gonna change my life. My resources now are vast. I can do so many other things. Not only that, but your reputation would be changed for forever. You are the salesman that made a sale in one day that brought in a commission of $153 million. This is unheard of. So much would change. That's exactly, that's on point what is happening with Peter. But the Bible says that at that moment that this is happening, John goes, John's with him in the boat. John says, that's him. That's Jesus. And Peter, without hesitation, turns from the 153 fish, jumps in the water and swims as fast and as hard as he can to get to the shore, to get to Jesus. The Bible says he swims 100 yards. There is, I don't know much about football, but there is your Super Bowl Sunday scripture. 100 yards, a whole football field. <laughs> Peter swims as fast as he can away from the 153 fish and towards Jesus in that moment. Why? Because I think Peter really understood. He saw, he knows the value of what it is to experience the intimacy of God. And he gets to that shore and you know what he does? The Bible says Jesus is on the shore, which is really cool. Jesus is cooking, making breakfast. And so they sit and they have breakfast together. Jesus had breakfast already for him and they fellowshiped and they had intimacy and they talked and they communed and in essence, they had eternal life. And that visual sticks with me because Peter got it, Peter knew. So my prayer is for you that you realize that your purpose is to experience the intimacy of God. It's not what you do, it's not your job. Your number one purpose is what Peter got is to connect with him, no matter what's going on in life. Life may be good, life might be bad. Life may be, there may be all these successes, there may be all these failures. You might be looking at your life and going, this is amazing, I didn't think it would be this good. Or you might be looking at your life and go, how the heck did I end up here? I never dreamed in a million years it would be like this. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, which is a joy, because all those things you can disconnect from and you can just simply use them as ways that you connect with your purpose, that eternal life, intimacy with the Father. Amen, amen. So on behalf of Michelle and Logan and myself, thank you so much for spending your Super Bowl Sunday morning with us, allowing us to share some biblical truths from some of our most enjoyed Super Bowl commercials. They were pretty funny, weren't they? <laughs> They're amazing speakers. So we appreciate it. Thank you for everything, and um, we'll be back. Guys, again, can we just give it up for all three? Just say, incredible job. You know, I, all services, I just sat back there and listened. And last night, hearing them all for the first time, I just thought, wow, they really fed us. This, this was amazing food. And I really believe God spoke to our hearts and encouraged us. So let's go ahead, bow our heads, close our eyes. And right now, I just want to encourage all the that are in this room, I want to encourage you as you walk through this week, begin to pursue these things that were brought out. And God, thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for growing every one of us because we were here. And let's just stay in this attitude of prayer. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening online or TCI Correctional Facility, you're right here in this room. And you walked in and you weren't sure of your forever. 
You weren't sure if you would die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell. You had no idea you could have a relationship with God here on this earth. And I want to ask you a question. And it's real simple. What have you done with Jesus? He came to set you free. He came to deliver you from your sins. He came so you can have a relationship with God. And I just want to ask you, have you made it real? Have you made it personal with him? You know, the Bible teaches us whoever calls on his name, he will save them. That he died so we can live. So right now I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you came in here believing, you know, that Jesus existed or believing in God, or maybe you didn't believe. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. And this day I'm going to accept you as my savior. Because the Bible says whoever calls on his name, he'll save us. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening, you say, I can't remember that day, but I am ready today. Would you pray with us right now? Pray with me. Pray with the leaders at TCI Correctional Facility. And the rest of us, can we help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Father, I realize and understand that I was born sin-stained. And this day, I look to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying to set me free. And this day, I accept you as my Savior. And I just make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.